all you dear people, and welcome to this episode of For Real. I'm your host, Kimberly Stewart, and we have such a great episode for you today. My guest is Sarah Bragg. Sarah talked with me from her lovely home in Tennessee where she writes and she parents and hosts a fantastic podcast called Surviving Sarah. We actually met through that podcast years ago and I am thrilled to have her join me on For Real. Sarah is the type of girl you want as your friend and your neighbor. She will not judge you for a second when you show up to carpool with your eyes barely open and looking like badger eyes with toilet paper stuck to your slipper. You know that kind of friend? Sarah's that kind of friend. Sarah has a new book out that talks about real people parenting, not fake people parenting, because we have no time for that. And we dive into all sorts of great stuff on this episode. I know you're going to love hearing from her and learning from her. So let's get right to my conversation with podcaster and author, Sarah Bragg. Sarah Bragg, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for making the time to do this and to chat with me. Uh, I am so excited because seriously, you have been one of my favorite guests on Surviving Sarah. That I, is I mean, the, seriously. And what? it was, I re-looked it up because I was like, when did we talk? It was 2018. A while ago. It has been a while, but I had so much fun with you. Like you are just a fun person. So I was happy to say yes. Oh, that's a really kind thing to say. You are the pro potter. I don't know if a potter (laughs) is a word, but you are the pro. I'm going to put it on my resume. I'm a little (laughs) nervous. Just ignore all of the things I do wrong. And that is really such a kind thing to say. I love talking with you. And you are one of the first people I contacted when we launched this because I thought, who's going to have a great conversation? And it's you. And I'm so excited to know, not only do we get to talk about all things pod, but also you have a fantastic book out. And I am... So excited to talk about it and about what you have taught me and what you're bringing to the table. But um, I do want to say for folks who have not met you yet, talk to me a little bit about how you spend your days and with whom you spend your days. Yes. How I spend my days. Well, we, during the pandemic, like most people, uh, it just turned everything upside down. So we have forever, I feel like lived in the Atlanta area. And so loved the Atlanta area, but in the pandemic, everything just like recalibrated and we decided to move to the country and we moved to East Tennessee to be near my family. In fact, they live like we live on like the edge of their property. So by near, we are near. Um, and we just decided it was time to have like space. Like I wanted to like look out and I love having like close neighbors, but just to see space and to like have a house where we weren't just like touching each other all the time. That's where we we were in this tiny little downtown home, which I loved. Right. But I was like, I need you to get out of my face now, children. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Like I love you, but there's a proximity issue. Mm -hmm. I've I've been on record. Um, and by record, I don't know who's taking record of saying that (laughs) the design trend is now going to go back away from open spaces and back to like closed rooms. Cause I think after the pandemic, we're all like, I don't want that open floor plan. Like, oh man, no, no, oh, I hear you. I, yes. We were just talking before we recorded about my office and how I didn't have an office forever. And so also during the pandemic, I said, that's, you know, this has been a lovely situation and not very smart. <laughs> right. I've written eight books on a couch and now it's time for me to have a room, but yes. you know what I was so excited about a door. A door. Shut the door. I know. That's what I missed the most during the pandemic. So for my days, I spend it 
out on the country. Like, and we have horses now. So like literally as we're speaking, I can look out the window and wow. see my horses. Um, and so I, I spend a lot of time as far as work goes, writing and doing, I'm also a content editor and a podcaster. So I guess I'm in the business of words, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I am married to Scott. We just celebrated 16 years. Mm, congratulations. Thank you. And we've got two girls. So we are in full-blown middle school mode. So sixth grader, eighth grader, that's where we live. You right are there. in it. In it to win it. Yeah. 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 I also have, I have a seventh grade girl. So she's right in the middle of you. And last night um, she's in a school play. And so last night um, she came to me and she was like, mom, we're supposed to do our own makeup for this. And I have absolutely no idea what to do. And so last night was makeup tutorial at our house. Um, and it was a hoot. I mean, I was, I was laughing the whole time. She was so good. She's very studious. She really wants to do the right thing. And so like opening the eyeball <laughs> to do the mascara and she kept saying, this is terrifying. I could poke it out. So I'm right there with you. All of those firsts are good yes, firsts, but they are, good. they're up and down. Well, and you, is this your youngest that's now in seventh grade? That's Cause I youngest. was remembering when we were chatting I think she was maybe, you know, like 10 or something when we chatted. Wow. So yes. Crazy yes, you're right. Are like just growing up. Someone is pushing fast forward on my yes. life's yes. button and I would yes. like it to cease and desist. <laughs> um, Sarah, I have to ask you, I'm such a fan of your podcast and I'm such a fan of how you approach it. You have logged a lot of hours in the last few years encouraging people, particularly parents to survive right where they are. And my question is, have you always been that girl? Have you always been the survival guide, the girl kind of (laughs) helping people find their way? Is that just part of who you are? Did that come later? I think that's who I am. Like I am all about, like, I can remember even being a teenager. I can remember being early twenties and I was on the lookout for someone who seemed like they were not doing well, like, or if Mm -hmm. they were alone and I want to be like, Hey, I just moved here too. Maybe I didn't, maybe I did like four years ago, but I'm going to say, I just moved here too. You're new. Great. Like my name is Sarah. I'll I'll be your friend. Like, you know, like, let me help you out. So I feel like it's like something in me has always been, let's take what you have walked through or what you were struggling with. Maybe you're not even like out of it yet. And let's try to connect somewhere. And so I think that is so much of my wiring of uh, wanting to connect, wanting to help others. I don't, I don't want people to feel like they are just lost, that they don't have a way or that there's not someone else who understands what they feel. And I think it just like someone turned the dial up on me when I became a parent because it was all of a sudden oh, I am not doing well at this. Or like, Mm -hmm. this is not something that I'm, I'm in no way a star student um, when normally I can be a star student of things, but not in this and looking around, but feeling this pressure, like everybody else was doing this like superbly well and going, well, I can't be the only one. Like, I want to look for the people who are just like feeling like they're drowning a little bit. And Mm. cause that's how I felt. And let me just hang out there. So I just wonder if all of our best stuff comes out of those moments, right? Yeah. I yes. wonder if that need to connect and the need to remember, wait a minute, am I the only person doing this? I think the the best things come out of that. And the that's why I started writing in the first place as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, and your book is the heartbeat of this book. I'm holding this book, YouTubers who aren't you, I mean, podcast <laughs> people who can't see me. It's a wonderful book. It's called A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself, What Parenting Taught Me About Life, Faith, 
and myself. And I think the heartbeat of your book is connection over and mm-hmm. over and over. I, th- yes. I feel like you were reaching through the pages over and over to me saying, you're not alone here. Come off the edge of that cliff. You're not yeah. the only one. Yes. Um, I love the framework of that. And I'm wondering, I just can't wait to dive more into what you have to offer in this book, but I want to know why, why mm-hmm. now, why this book, you have yeah. plenty of things going on. You've mm-hmm. got two kids, horses, apparently, apparently Horse a husband, yeah. <laughs> a life, a very busy career. So why this book? Why now? And part B, you wrote it in a pandemic, my dear yeah. friend. I know. Um, why now? It's such a good question. You know, I have always loved a microphone, whether that microphone was a pen, whether it was an actual microphone, give me a stage, give me a spotlight. Um, I've always loved that and loved writing. And I remember someone asking me when I was mm, probably like 22, maybe 20, probably 23. And he was like, well, where do you see yourself in five years? Which by the way, I hate that question. Don't anyone ever ask me that. Why, I was why like, do you hate it? I the want pressure, to hear why. The pressure. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't like setting goals. I, I don't want to set them because I don't want to not reach them. You know well, what I mean? Well, that like, surprises me because you talk about how you're an Enneagram three and you're a goer and achiever, but you I'm don't a, like goals. I know. I know. But I like to perform. And I'm going to pretend like there's a goal that I'm searching for. Um, so I said, well, I want to be like a writer and like, you know, speaker. And he's like, um, interesting. If you want to write, maybe you should write something. And I was like, what a novel idea. <laughs> um, so anyway, so that just kind of, so then I was like, oh, you could be a writer. I don't know if I ever thought about like, obviously I read books. So there are people who are authors, but in my like early twenties, no one was presenting that before that point that you could be a writer. Um, and so I just started thinking about, and I think this is how I approach everything. Well, what have I been, what, what we just talked about? Well, what have I been walking through? What do I, you know, feel like I'm like kind of vulnerable about and I would like to share about. And, and so that's just what I, I went with. And I wrote a book about body image, you know, I was 23. And so I was in working with a lot of teenagers at the time. So I wrote to them about body image. Um, it's called Body Beauty Boys, The Truth About Girls and How We See Ourselves. and and it, so it was great. Like, I was like, oh, this is fun. Like, I liked writing. I liked, you know, talking to people about it, connecting in that way, using my voice. And then I have kids and I, I don't know. How do you put words together to form sentences? I don't know. You let um, me know. Right. <laughs> We're still working on it. Yeah. And so it entered, I feel like I entered into a season in my thirties because I had Sinclair when I was 30. And I just kind of, I don't know, felt lost, which I think so many of us do. None of us know what to expect when you have kids. Nobody knows what it's going to do. Nobody, you know, and especially to have been working in sort of a creative way, it just, my creativity was completely zapped because it was just straight like survival mode and straight, well, eat, you know, drink, repeat. Like it was like, you know, they sleep, they eat, they they coo for a minute and then they go back to sleep. Like it just was this like, you know, so I was did just you lost. Feel, can I just ask, did yes. you feel like people had warned you about this? Because I remember feeling gobsmacked. No, no one, everyone tells you this will be the greatest gift. You are so like lucky. This is going to be the greatest thing of your life. And I wanted to slap every single one of those people. Cause it's, <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. Like I think for probably the first two years, I walked around to people, my friends who got pregnant, I said, it's not true. You're not going to like it. 
The truth teller. <laughs> Everyone stopped inviting I'm the me dream the buster. I was the, the dream buster. Right. No, don't invite Sarah, okay? She'll make you cry. <laughs> don't go. do it. Don't do it. So there was that season of just feeling lost and like I had nothing else to say. Like I have nothing to say. And I think it just kind of grew bigger and bigger and the gap got wider. And I can remember my husband saying, I really feel like you should write again. And I was like, I don't think I can. Like, I just don't think I can. And, and so I had stopped writing for several years. Um, and so, and then the podcast, like that's when I had the idea for the podcast. My, my youngest was, I think she was four at the time. So that's a big gap that's, you know, about six years worth of not doing something in that arena. And I fell in love because again, someone handed me a microphone and I was like, oh, this is great. I don't have to necessarily put words together on paper. I can just say all the words. Right. And I had words to say. So that was great. And I launched the podcast and just through that and through so much growth that was taking place when my girls were that age and growing into all those elementary years, I found that I was doing so much work on myself. Hmm. realizing there was so much um, development that needed to happen because I was being faced with so much uncertainty and so much hard and so much, gosh, I thought if you just, you know, one plus one equals two, but it doesn't work that way in parenting. And so I was just kind of up close and personal with a lot of vulnerability in that department. And, um, but at the same time, I had this like inside me going, Remember when you used to write? Do you remember when you always wanted to write? You know, you wanted to be someone who put words out on paper for people. And, um, and so that's how this book kind of came about was that nudge that keep going. And then combining that with, oh, this is the biggest thing that I've been working through. Like maybe there's someone else who feels alone, who feels sort of crazy, who feels like, gosh, parenting doesn't seem to be adding up for me. And I want them to know, hey, I'm here. And this is what I'm learning. And if we let it, this hard, this uncomfortable, this unknown season of parenting can do a whole lot of good in our own lives. Beautiful. It's, I love in, your, in the book how you do that pivot over and over again, that you say, this is um, kind of what I was learning, what I have learned, what I have watched. And then you pivot a little bit to your girls and put it in their context. So when you say for yourself, um, for example, thinking about, you know, how you deal with hurt or how you deal with anger or how you deal with mistakes to move into that space where you look at your girls and think about, well, what do I want them to know? Right. It's such a powerful, it's the right. powerful pivot right. over and over. Right. Well, it's the thing that, you know, I probably wouldn't have done as much work on self-compassion if I wasn't raising girls who were showing a lack of self-compassion. Mm, I love and, that self-compassion. And so I was looking at that, them and they were, you know, they would make a mistake. And one of them was like, Oh, I'm just the worst kid in the world. Well, I wasn't going, yeah, you're right. You are like, that wasn't what was coming out of my right. mouth. No, it was, never. Hey, Hey, don't say that about yourself. Be kind right. to yourself. We all make mistakes. It's not a big deal. Like, let's figure out how to move forward. Like that's what, but I was going, oh, but when I make a mistake, I'm saying I'm the worst person in the world. Mm -hmm. How could you, like, that's mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm telling my girls to be kind to themselves. So that was right. where it was going. Oh, there's, that's not the same thing. And I need to do that work on myself. Um, so I, I felt like I was raising myself, like on so many things that one in particular, while I was raising my girls in that truth to go, 
I don't know, self-compassion is a big deal and failure is just part of life. It's things that happen. Failure on a big scale, failure on a small scale. Mm -hmm. We all make mistakes, but be kind to yourself. That's, you know, that's, that's okay. I'm so much better at that with my kids than with me. Always. I would never say to them, wow, that is the loser move. I can't believe you (laughs) did. I would never say that, but I say that really frequently to myself. Yes. So that's why I love this concept of raising me while I'm raising them. I just think it's so you're, you're not squandering this time. Right. Um, and just pointing all of the good stuff, you know, in their direction, you're doing it to you too. In fact, there was one, I want to go somewhere that initially struck me as completely off. I'm just going to tell you. Okay. And you're on. So you say you, there's a section of the book where you talk about loving yourself as the, as part of the greatest commandment. Right. Right. And you even acknowledge, you say, you know, you might read this and think, get a little prickly about it. (laughs) But then you do a great job of, of kind of teasing out why that is part being kind to myself and actually loving the person that God made in me is a part of love your neighbor as yourself. We always kind of construct that as be, you know, unselfish and think of the other person. And also you remember, you know, you think of you too, but you say that, that actually the idea of Jesus dying for me, that didn't give me worth as much as it reflected the worth that he already had placed on me. So talk about that in, in terms of mothering and in terms of parenting. Yeah, that was such a big shift for me. Um, you know, I felt like along the way, whether, you know, in the circles of um, church that I had been in and worked in and been a part of, there was just an emphasis on making sure that you need to see all that was wrong in you. Mm. Because if you could see the things that were wrong, you would see your need for Jesus. And I, and I get that. I was always like, yeah, sure. okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, that's great. Like, we need Jesus. Okay. And, but it was the, it was so much pressure on not loving yourself because it was like, oh, if you have, if you see any good in you, somehow that's negating, um, Jesus, somehow that's, you know, that's selfish. You're, you're prideful. Um, and so what happens though, is when we grow up and we talk about, you know, if, if you get excited about, you know, like let's look in ter- kids terms, you know, my daughter comes home and she gets asked to be a part of the beta club and she is so stoked and she's so excited. You know, we, I don't think any of us squander that and go, Oh, don't be prideful. <laughs> like you're getting a little too excited about yourself. No, right. like that's, I want her to recognize there's good in her, right. That there's, there's things that she is like worked towards. She has worked on, or, you know, like, I, you know, I remember you know, I always struggled as a kid with, you know, if I, if I talked about, like showed myself, like, let's say a picture and I looked really pretty feeling like someone was going, she just is really proud of herself. Like she just thinks she is so pretty and versus having a sense of like worth about yourself. Mm. And so, and I think that we forget that we were made in the image of God, you know, like that's Genesis chapter one. We tend to focus on Genesis chapter three, where they talk about the fall of man And because that connects so much to the cross, when I just keep going, can we go back to chapter one and remember that you were made, first of all, in the image of God. So there was good in you. And let's think about that. And when it comes to loving our neighbor as ourself, you're right that so much of us go, 
Well, it's selfish if you love yourself. Well, no, it's cyclical. Like love your neighbor as yourself. The more that I love myself, and I bet this is true for everyone listening, the easier it is to love my neighbor. The more I am taking care of myself and seeing the good in me, noticing the good, um, taking care of myself, loving myself, the more I accept my kids, the less angry I become at my kids, right? Um, all of those things, it's cyclical. Or the more, right. and I know this is true on the flip side, the more judgmental I am of myself, the more judgmental I am of others. Because if I'm judging myself that hard, deep down, I'm probably judging someone else too when it comes right. to that same thing. The more that we show kindness, that self-compassion towards ourself, um, the more we're able to do it for others. And that's truly what Jesus modeled was, you know, for others. And I think that he had a, a love for himself that was not selfish. It's self-love. I don't know when that became the, that self-love became selfish. I don't know at what point that became. Well, I think that term self-love, when you bandy about that term in the wider culture, it gets a little woo-woo for me. I mean, right. it's just yeah. a little bit yeah. like, make sure you're having a lot right. of spa days and you're, <laughs> you know, like in a little bit more self-indulgence or self-focus. Yeah. So self-focus right. is in, in my mind and how you talk about it in the book is very different from self, yes. just loving the person that God that you made. are. Yes. Right. That, that this is who you are, your personality, your makeup, your, what you, you know, your flaws, all the things right. like, um, versus seeing all the flaws as like need for improvement. Some of those things, you know, it's a flaw by subjectivity. Like, I don't know, like you could say, you know, straight hair is a flaw where I'm like, Oh, straight hair is not a flaw. Like who knows, you know what I mean? Like, right. I know that's a silly example, but, but that's really what it comes down to. You know, it's, it's not the woo woo self kind of love. It's the appreciation for who you were made to be. How does this play out in the daily? So you understand this point, you had this epiphany that this is a part of the greatest commandment, then what Yeah. What do you do on the daily in your house? Yeah. Well, on the daily, it, it truly is watching how I speak to myself. I think that's probably the biggest on the daily is, um, because again, like you said, like we, I think uh, so many of us are really good at loving God and loving others. Like we can check those boxes every day. Like, well, I'm, I made lunch. I, you know, cleaned up the house for them. I served them in that way. You know, I, I checked on my actual neighbor across the street. Like we could check off all these things, but ourselves is the hardest one to check off, I think. And so, it, but for me on the practical, it really is how I am speaking to myself. And I think if we don't work on that, I think that we can see that coming out towards others at some point when we are really squeezed and we are really hard pressed um, and maybe someone does something to us. Um, I think that's what squeezed out is that right. self-judgmental, that, that, that judgment comes out towards others. Um, if we're not doing the work on the day in and day out, when we're not being hard pressed and someone hasn't done something to us, you know, against us, um, we have to be doing that work of self-compassion so that when that time comes, when someone, you know, something like that happens, what's being squeezed out. Right. What's on the surface. Um, it's a discipline. I think what you're talking about, it's a reminding myself on the daily of how to think, um, 
I don't think actually that, that our thought life is completely involuntary. In fact, you have this beautiful section in the book where you talk about the discipline of gratitude Hmm. and how that changed your posture of a day from scarcity to that there's enough. And you talk about how it works with you and how it works with your girls and continues to work with your girls. So talk to me about that and coach us about that. You talk about how you used to wake up and immediately the thought was, I don't have enough. I don't have enough listeners on the pod. I don't have enough time in the day. I didn't get enough sleep. Right. That was the beginning. So tell me about how that shifted. Oh, I mean that talk about a great practice, like to start paying attention to those not enough statements. I literally would wake up every day and go, Oh, I didn't get enough sleep. And then I felt like I wasn't, you know, I was already behind and totally. it was, you know, six 30 in the morning totally. um, instead of going, okay, like that was enough. Like, you know, yes, I was up in the night, uh, you know, but that's what it is. And so we're going to figure it out. Maybe I'll drink an extra cup of coffee. Maybe I'll take a quick cat nap. I don't know. Like we'll figure it out. Right. You have what is in you to make it through the day. You have right. enough in you to figure it out. I mean, even still, I mean, today I just did a lot of work this morning, journaling about gratitude and reading about gratitude and how much it is connected to joy, that it is the ordinary moments actually that build so much joy in our life. Not Mm. these extraordinary moments, which I love a good extraordinary moment. Me too. And I'm looking for it all the time, but the, it's rare. I mean, extraordinary moments are so rare, but our ordinary moments happen all the time to look up and to look around at just your ordinary life and the good that is there. Um, the, the, when we practice that, you can't help but smile. It can't help but bring a smile and a sense of peace and a sense of joy to your life when you're on the hunt for the good little ordinary things in your day. Uh, my youngest, she started middle school this year and it was hard. She really struggled for probably the first, I don't know, almost three months, two months. And I would ask her, I'm like, when I pick you up, I want you to tell me one thing that made you smile today. Like look around, pay attention. There's got to be one thing that makes you smile. And I think when we boil that down, whether you do that at bedtime or you do that at dinner time, just asking that question, what made you smile today? Connects those dots of ordinary gratitude and joy. Hey there, just a quick break to tell you about free stuff. I love free stuff, particularly cool free stuff, and even more particularly free books. And I am guessing that I am not alone. Here is how you can get your hands on a free book. Text the word KIM to 44144, and I will make sure you get a free copy of one of my books delivered right to your inbox. I feel like this is a great time, a great season to start a new novel. One that makes you laugh, maybe cry once or twice. And so I am super happy to be able to offer just that kind of book for free. Just text the word Kim, K-I-M, to the number 44144, and I will set you up with your next read. And now back to the conversation. I have a friend who says... Um, you must be present to win. 
my friend Bob is always saying that the importance of presence in life cannot be underscored enough. You must be present to win. You can't phone this in. Yeah. Um, and motherhood has been hard for me for that. Mm, Maybe because too. it is so relentless. There's never, I went from a job that had delineated lines of start and stop. And there's no start and stop. Mm -mm. It is all day from the second you were up. And now with teenagers, it's until I'm like bleary eyed and they come in in very, very (laughs) late hours. And I want to be present to win. The time is actually quite short when they're going to be coming in and talking to me. And so you do such a good job of pointing out in your book, um, A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself. You say that's not just in the moment when your daughter's saying, I'm thankful for you, mama. That's not just the day that you are present. The Actually, even more powerfully, it's when you show up after the rough. So mm. after the hard conversation, after everyone has completely lost their minds, yeah. after it has blown up, your house has exploded in conflict or in difficulty or whatever, then being present, then coming in and with a just a soft heart coming into that room, that's the doozy. Yeah, it's hard. Oh, it's hard. I kind of want to nurse my wound for a little bit. (laughs) I know. Hey, and sometimes it takes a little bit. Like that is okay. Like, but that's what I, I feel like I am learning what it looks like to show up as my best self. And it's not hard to see what it is when it's not my best self. Um, But in those moments (laughs) of the- (laughs) There are hints. There are some visuals. Right, Right. there's some visuals. Um, when we've had that explosion, when we've had that fight, um, to be able to circle back and say, no, I didn't show up as my best self and I'm sorry. Like next time I'm going to try to be better. And I think that is, that is winning when we are, are giving our presence, when we want to just slink away. And sometimes we need to slink away for a little bit because truly we need to get that oxygen back to the front of the brain. So I can mm-hmm. think logically and not, um, just crazy, um, thinking. And so it is, it's our presence showing up even when, you know, you're battered and bruised and you're going, I don't want to do this anymore. Like maybe, especially when, maybe especially when you're battered and bruised. Right. But when you choose to show back up the next day and, and to love and to show up and to, and to care that is winning. That is when your presence is really felt in those moments. Cause the truth is, I, I feel like so many, the, the easy, the like, you know, rainbow bright moments of parenting are few and far between, you know, that for, especially in certain years, it's just the thick of, you know, like we even say, especially now in third, cause third, my oldest is 13 and we're like, oh my goodness. It's like all the stars have aligned and she's just like, the like most beautiful version of herself, just soak it in, soak it in because it's like the moon's <laughs> going to shine over that it's passing. It's going to total eclipse of the heart is about to happen. Like just soak it in. So those, those moments where you're like, it's easy to show up as like my best self are few and far between. It's, we have plenty of opportunities to really show up even in the hard. Totally. Oh man. I love that you're taking the time to write what you know. Um, I wish I would have had this book a few years ago when my kids were little. Um, and really not, I don't think it's just for kids of littles. I think it's for all parents at all times, but, um, one of my favorite myths you bust is the idea of having it all and that you can do all the things 
and do all of them well. When I think back at my, for my early motherhood, what I wish I could say to that woman is you need to take your, you need to take your foot off the gas. Okay. You can't will all of this into happening perfectly. And this is a season where something's got to give. And here's the hint, all of those seasons to come are also (laughs) where something's got to give. And I feel a little crazy town that we are talking about this. I feel sometimes when we talk about the tension with motherhood or with parenting of not being able to crush all the things, it feels like we should know that already, but I don't think we do. I don't think we do either. I still think that for whatever we're looking at, and I think I do think social media plays a big role in this because we we all present a certain self um, to the world, and it is a self that makes it look like we can do it all. Like you can, you know. For me, that this one of the earliest lessons in motherhood came from. I was working full time when I became a mom, and I felt this tension of like, well, I feel like I'm supposed to be a stay at home mom. Uh, but I really like my work. I like writing and I liked editing and I liked seeing other people outside of the people that lived in my home. And I liked all of that. And so I was like, well, maybe I can be like a full-time employee and a full-time stay-at-home mom. Yeah. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. The the math doesn't even add up. There's not even enough hours in the day. And I was like, oh, it'll be fine. Like, like, what, is she going to nap for eight hours a day? No, she's going to nap for like seven seconds. And that's all (laughs) you're going to get. And so I was unwilling to give on anything, right? Like I wanted my whole job and I wanted to be at home with my kid. And the truth is every, you know, yes is a no to something. And every no is a yes is, I mean, you have to like figure this out. You have to determine what has to give. And it's okay to realize, oh, I'm not superhuman and I can't do it all. That's a great place to be. It's just, it's just hard. We don't like making sacrifices. And sometimes if I, if I'm going to continue my full-time work, I might need to hire some help with the kid. You know what I mean? Or I might need to hire some help in other areas of life. Like it's not a bad thing. That's just looking at what's the the no to this yes kind of thing. What's the sacrifice of the and choice what I'm a making? Priv- and what a privilege yes. that we can even, I and mean, we have to acknowledge too, there are yes. plenty of folks in the position where they don't even get to choose. I mean, you have right. this great story metaphor in the book about um, your girls saying, well, I really would like to eat Cheetos and Oreos all day, every day for the rest of my life. Can you make right. that happen? Right. And you would never say to them, no. yes, you can. You can have right. all. You have to make That's a choice. Not practical. Right. Yes. Right. Can't have it all. I can't have it all the time. Um, and I, I think that was the story where my daughter was like th- literally throwing herself on the floor of a convenience store. And it was like, mm, this is a really precious moment of motherhood <laughs> right now. Um, but it is, you just can't have it all. And that's okay. Like, and it comes in different seasons and, you know, I, like even now, like I'm sitting here and, you know, wrote a book in the pandemic. We moved in the pandemic. I launched a book and said pandemic. And then now I'm supposed to write another book in also the pandemic right now. Like I'm supposed to already be writing book two and haven't started yet. So, um, so I'm feeling a little bit like I've said yes to a lot of things. Like there's a lot on my plate. I'm doing a lot of things and I'm, I'm at the point where I'm like, I have to make a a choice about something. If I'm saying yes to writing a book, then there's gotta be a no to something else. Can't say no to my kids. They can't kick them out of the house. They still live here. So that's a given. They got to remain, you know, so then I have to start looking down the line of the things that are on my plate. And as much as I want to do them all, 
I have to make a choice in this season, but this season won't always be, you know, the, the writing of a book, you've got these, these months that you're going to do it. And, and so I feel like that is a practice that we will be faced with over and over again is can't have it all. So let's look at what's going on. What is stressing you out? What is right. creating burnout? What is something that you can let go of? Um, and, and, and just accept that it's okay that you can't have it all. Right. You know, this is not a bad thing. No, it's not really good for us to have it all. We might start thinking we're making the world turn a little right, bit, right? right? You right. know, I haven't posted any videos of absolute meltdowns in our home, really not to protect me, but more to protect the people who live Correct. here. But I do want to say out loud, oh, the meltdowns happen. Right. Are you kidding me? So right. even though you're not seeing that, it takes a certain amount of like just really honesty with ourselves to complete, can continue remind ourselves what we are seeing in this world um, on our phones. That is not actually the real world. That's the pretend world. I just want to move into the real over yes. and over again, you know, just it's your push podcast. A, yeah, it's right. your podcast, right? <laughs> what a beauty to feel like you're not alone in that. And I, this book does that. Your work does that. Your podcast does that. Um, I have a couple more questions for you. Talk to me about smoke breaks. Yes. Smoke I breaks. love this. I just want to hear it? you talk Don't about you love it. it. I love my, it. Let's see. I've got my candy cigarettes here. If I need to get one out for to a visual. smoke. <laughs> for a visual. Um, okay. So I think about like, this goes all the way back to, um, my mom when I was like a new mom and you know, I was so overwhelmed and, and my oldest sounded like a pterodactyl and she sounded like that all the time. Like it felt like a full blown attack on my safety as a human. And, um, so my mom would, you know, talk to me and she's like, I just feel like you need to be like those smoking moms from like the sixties. You know, she's like, I remember taking, you know, my brother and I were born in the seventies. So she was like, I remember taking you guys to like, I think it was even church childcare. And she's like, and the lady was sitting there with a cigarette smoking and the kids were like jumping all over each other. And she just sat there and she smoked like yeah. whatever, <laughs> like doesn't bother me, you know? And so she's like, I just feel like you need to be like one of those smoking moms who just don't seem to care. Like what they're just a great like whatever mom that would say that to you. <laughs> I know. I love so, it. so as I, you know, kind of would think about that. I'm like, I just feel like I need to be on a smoke break. Like I, like I, you know, you you see people all the time. Like I'm outside of like picking up my groceries at Walmart, and there's an employee out there like on the side, like taking a smoke break because like, he gets his ten minutes. Like I'm like, that's what we need. Like we need to take virtual whatever. Like if you want to smoke actual cigarettes, I mean, you do you. I don't smoke but I do have candy cigarettes, but I just try to take, it's like taking a break, take a beat. Like for me, like I just mentioned a little bit ago, I went out for a short, like, I think it was like a 15 minute walk with my dog, take some fresh air, take some deep breaths. You know, that's really what it is. It's just to take a beat from what's going on. Um, so whether that's when there's actually, you know, nothing stressful happening, but sometimes we need those smoke breaks in the middle of a stressful situation yeah. because, you know, we need a chance for our brain to get back to its thinking brain. And it takes oxygen to do that. Like right. we need to learn to breathe in and out. And so there's been plenty of moments where like heat of the moment, people are like losing their ever loving mind in this house. And I'm like, I'm out. Like smoke I'm taking break. a smoke break, like catch in 20, like I'll be back around. Um, and so I think that's what, that's what it is. It's, you know, we just need to take a beat. I love it. And I think it is such good, um, coping, action for your kids to see in yes. process, right? Yes. 
for them to see you saying, I will not always feel this insane. And one way that I won't is if I leave for just a little bit. I just love the idea of that. It's so incredibly practical. Um, And you talk about moving that oxygen in your brain back to the thinking part. Because when you are in you're not thinking crazy mode. You can't, nothing. And you know what? And I would have never known that if I wasn't forced to raise children who need to learn how to handle their emotions. Right. And I talked to all these counselors who say they need to learn how to breathe. And I'm like, breathing? What? Like I'm a breath holder. Like, I don't know about you, but like, if I get nervous, I'm like, I'm not breathing. I'm holding my breath or when I'm working out and it's really hard. My trainer, she's like, you have to breathe. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm not going to breathe. She's like, you have to breathe. So it does not come easily. But I've learned all these things because of raising kids. Because it's like, oh, I want you to like, you can't think straight. You're crying on the floor of a convenience store. Like, you need to breathe. Um, And that in turn, I'm like, oh, I don't actually ever breathe when I'm in that situation either. So I've got to learn how to do that. So I'm going to take my pretend smokes. Correct. If you take the real smokes, they're not going to help you breathe. It's On not the long term. You're breathing. You are breathing in and out, but you not are also great. causing mm-hmm. some damage. Yeah. Right. There, there will be repercussions. But, right. Um, okay. One last question. Yeah. I love to talk with book nerds about their nerdy tendencies. So I have two. it's a two-parter. First, what is a book that you recommend to folks on the regular, it could be very backlist. So a book that you just find yourself returning to over and over and part B, what is a book on your nightstand that you can't wait to read next? Mm, Okay. Well, the one I recommend over and over again is the gifts of imperfection by Brene Brown. Mm. I come back to it. In fact, I, I keep all of her books, um, beside my reading chair and I read something of hers every day, pretty much. How about Um, that? Yeah. Just wholehearted living, like shame, like working through shame and vulnerability and courage and loving yourself, all that stuff. I just like, I'm work in progress. So let's just keep returning to it Great, over and over again. Yes. Um, okay. So I'm in a little bit of a pickle that I just finished my last book and I'm not sure of what to read next, but I, so, well, that counts. I mean, if it's one that you just finished that you really love and it's just sitting here and I loved it. The Two Lives of Lydia Bird. Have you read this one? No, but I have read another book by that author. One Day in December. I love yeah. that book. I did This too. is a novel. It's a like a yes. rom-com, a British yes. one. Yes, yes. And same here, but it's such a, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a, almost a sliding doors type of thing. Um, you know, I mean, the back of the book would say this. She was engaged. Her husband is killed in an accident. And then she has this opportunity to still kind of live that life, but she also is living her current life. Ooh. And, and it's such a great picture of um, walking through grief. I know that sounds, people are like, please don't make me like walk through grief. I don't know. But it was, I was just so beautifully done and empathy and perspective that I feel like, I'm like, I feel like I kind of became a um, more aware person after reading this, but it was such a, so well done, such a great story. Um, I just like, it was one of those where I, I was sneaking away, like, like, I'm going to go take a bath and was like gone like an hour like, Love it. just to, to keep reading. So, oh, that's a great, that's a huge compliment. Yeah. An author to say you wanted to forgo your life to read her book. So yes, would love to hear that. 
Sarah Bragg, thank you so much for your work, for your book, for your time today. And thank you. I think the overarching theme of all that you have said is to be kind to ourselves, but this is a, it's a rough go sometimes. Yeah, it's hard. Um, And it's important to remember that we um, aren't alone and that this hard work is so much better done when you are compassionate to your own darn self. Mm. So thank you for that reminder. Uh, You are simply the best. I'm so glad to be here. Here's the thing. Sarah's podcast is called Surviving Sarah, but I'm just going to add that she helps me not just survive, but thrive as a parent. I hope you loved listening in on all she has learned about life and faith and the real road of becoming who we are wired to be and how her kids have helped her sink her toes into all that beautiful stuff. What a gift, right? To take notes on the lessons she has learned. Make sure to pick up a copy of Sarah's book, A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself. And make sure to follow her on all the socials and thank her for hanging out with us on For Real. Speaking of thank you notes, thank you for joining me today. I didn't write you a note, but pretend that I did, will you? I do not take it for granted that you let me into your ears and your speakers. And so thank you a gazillion times over. And thank you too for writing a quick review, rating the podcast, sharing this episode. All those ways that you interact with For Real are ways you keep this thing hurtling along. Thank you for your part in the hurdle. Okay, dear friends, let's meet here again soon, shall we? It's a date. I'll save a spot right next to me at the lunch table. For real. For real.